This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, brought to you by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. Orbition Group is delighted to bring this podcast series, which boasts some of the most high-profile data, analytics, and AI thought leaders from across the globe. Each episode details the journey to the top of our industry's most respected leadership figures, while bringing unique insights drawn from first-hand experience on the industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, experiences, and ideas to inspire, innovate, and give back to the global data and analytics community. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Lynn Bailey, who is the Chief Data Officer for KPMG. So Lynn, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. You're very, very welcome. It's pleasure is all ours. So Lynn, where we always start is by asking our guests to give themselves a, a brief introduction into you know themselves and their background and I guess journey to date because uh, I can never do that justice. So uh, if you would... Okay, absolutely. So I'll start with now. So today I'm the Chief Data Officer at KPMG um, and I've been here for about 15 months. And I guess anyone who started a new role just before the pandemic hit, it's been quite an interesting journey. Um, And we'll, I guess, more on that later. Um, But data is always something that I've kind of been involved in, um, wanted to make a career out of. Just I I guess I wasn't as um, focused on it when I first started and became more so in the last few years. So I actually started my career in a research company called Research International. They're now part of Kantar Group. And in fact, the next three or four roles that I had were all part of research companies, which ended up being part of Kantar. So one big chunk there. Yeah, and I loved working within technology research, actually, and really understanding what consumers thought, felt, wanted. Um, But it was the insights that came out of that 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 really drove me. So I went to work at PwC a few years later, having gone around a few research companies um, and looked after their internal research. So PwC at the time, we're doing lots of surveys on their people and potentially clients as well. So really kind of was brought in to bring some rigor to that and understand how we could do it better. And with many organizations kind of your role starts to evolve fairly quickly so again I then was given the role of well let's if you're looking after our consumers and our kind of um, you know what our people think why don't we look at our competitors so would you mind looking after competitor intelligence and then oh actually there's some other really cool stuff here we're doing with third-party data could you bring that into the mix and then ultimately I became head of something called market information. So all the information that we had about ourselves, our markets, our customers into one place and looking to generate insights out of that. Um, So it was great, really, really varied. And then this amazing opportunity kind of, I helped create the opportunity. I was part of the working group was to kind of grow, build, deliver this BI function. So um, again, taking that data and insights one step further and thinking about how we could truly understand our organization and improve ourselves through through things like BI and eventually things like predictive and prescriptive analytics. Great gig, really good role. So it meant a promotion and a a change to a different department. And what I very quickly discovered, I was a bit naive about data quality and all that kind of stuff, other than, you know, checking for for mistakes when you're uh, doing reports. It became really apparent really quickly that actually there was a hell of a lot of stuff we needed to do in order to be able to even report at a basic level, let alone try and then do something like predictive or prescriptive analytics. So very quickly, I kind of developed this concept of, well, actually, we need to establish data governance as a concept here at at PwC, again, on our internal stuff. So did that. 
and it was great for for about four years. I, I took that role on. So the next logical step was chief data officer. Um, and at the time, uh, PwC weren't looking to kind of recruit a chief data officer um, with the kind of background that I'd got. They wanted uh, to go in a slightly different direction. And I and I saw the opportunity at KPMG, so I took it. Um, and I'm really glad I did. It was, it's it's fantastic. Um, so what I'm here to do is basically create, uh, deliver and embed our enterprise data strategy. So looking at how we run ourselves, how we manage our data, um, and again, put some of those foundations in place. Um, so, that, so that's the work, work me outside of work. Um, I'm one of these people who likes to try every new fitness craze that's out there. So I'm, I'm <laughs> going to my first CrossFit class tomorrow. God knows why, but two of my girlfriends have kind of been doing it and they've they've managed to get me <laughs> up to it. I like um, cycling, cooking, drinking. That, that, so I need exercise to counterbalance the other hobbies that I have as well. <laughs> and I have a very small family. I have a, a 10-year-old um, son and boy, are we all happy that he's back at school now. <laughs> it's great. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, thanks for the, uh, thanks for the insight. So um, you started to touch upon there about some of the stuff that you're doing yeah. at KPMG. Now, this podcast is currently listened to, I checked just before we came on air, 66 countries around the world. And you guys are that big. You're probably in every one of those 66 countries. But I'd be oh, surprised okay. if most people don't know who you are. But for people that may not be too familiar, just give us a very, very brief overview as KPMG as a business. And then I guess where you sit within the organization, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So KPMG are a professional services organization. They're part of something called the Big Four. So um, PwC, where I worked before, are part of that, Deloitte and EY, um, so that they, these organizations make up the Big Four. Um, so we deliver um, services to, to clients or our customers we call clients. Um, and they can be audit, they can be tax, it can be consulting, um, and then deal advisory. Um, so quite a broad spectrum of things um, that we deliver. Um, and all of our organizations, all of the big four and the ones that are kind of in the, in the next tier, over the last you know 10 years have been absolutely transforming, embracing what what data and digitization can mean to organizations like ours. I mean, the traditional audits used to be very traditional, right? You'd go in and audit a sample of how things are working. Data now makes that, you know, you can audit everything. It's just, you know, really, really, um, you know, a lot easier to do. Similarly, you know, drone technology and all these kind of really, really cool stuff that you can do now. So actually it's become a, a really technology focused um, industry um, and a digital industry, which, which is great. As you said, we're, um, uh, all around the world, all of the big four kind of have presence in most markets around the world. We operate as a limited liability partnership, which means that each territory or each country is pretty much its own unit. So um, collaboration in, across different territories is we, we're not a global organization. None of us are. So it's more that it's a little bit of ad hoc collaboration. And usually what happens is some of those bigger territories, you know, will work together on some some things that we can all, all benefit from. But that makes it an interesting dynamic if you're thinking about global data governance, for example, or global data strategy. Um, it just it just makes it interesting and you have to tackle it in a slightly different way. Um, so where I sit within the organization, so every good client facing organization needs a really good backbone. Um, so kind of where I sit within within that backbone, um, we have a chief digital officer, Lisa Hennigan, who reports directly into she's on the Exco. She reports directly into the COO, Tim Jones. Um, so I sit I report into Lisa. Lisa has a, a kind of very broad set of responsibilities, both client facing. Um, she, so she manages clients herself but also uh, looks after our internal technology function, which is where I sit, 
and um, our kind of client solutions technology teams as well. So, which is great because it means uh, we talked just before I came on, we talked about how we're collaborating with our client facing teams as well. It's really easy to do when you all sit as part of the same organization. Um, so, yeah, that's where we sit. Um, I'm on that technology leadership team. Alongside me sits the CIO, the CTO, the CISO, um, plus, you know, program managers, et cetera. There's, there's a whole range of people that sit on that. But, um, yeah, so straight into the chief digital officer, which I think is a really, really good place for a CDO to report into. Yeah, I mean, that's a widely debated topic in itself, right? Absolutely, <laughs> into, absolutely. Into, yeah, yeah where, where, where that should sit and, and yeah. so forth and so on. But I guess an organization the size of KPMG um yeah you know it'd be it'd be very difficult for to have the whole c-suite reporting to the ceo right i guess um, absolutely I, I mean and even i mean it doesn't it's not actually that distribute you're only a couple of levels from the top so the the nice thing about reporting to someone like lisa is and her role is that you you if decisions need to be made at board level you can do that quite easily. So it doesn't feel, you know, distributed and hierarchical. Um, it, it just seems to work really well. Yeah, good, good. So I guess getting into the meat of the topic then, Lynn, um, around, you know, why we may need as an industry to have a, you know, data taxonomy. And I'm, I'm really intrigued by this. So, um, you know, I've had people on the podcast before talk about this from, from a specific yeah. level, you know, things like data quality and how, you know, qualities in the eye of the beholder and it's not always accuracy that's, you know, so it's subjective. Um, But if I think just bigger picture more broadly, I think as an industry, you know, there's a real lack of standardization in general, you know, whether we're talking about job titles, salaries, levels, the scope and responsibilities of of a role through to why organizations are even doing this. And then obviously the terminology that's used within those organizations and how that differs. I guess a great starting point would be to try and get your take on why you think that is. Um, it's a really good, great, great question. And I think it, um, I think it's because it's still relatively new. If you think about it, I mean, CIOs, that role was still considered relatively new um, and probably until about, you know, five or six years ago. So I think I think there's a relative newness of it. Um, and then there's a relative level of maturity of organizations as a consequence, right? So, you know, you'll go into some organizations um, and they've not really managed their data at all in any way, shape or form. So they probably need someone to do something really end to end. You'll go into other organizations who have got some really sophisticated um, ways of dealing with their data. I mean, they're truly data-driven organizations. I mean, everyone talks about Amazon and Google, right? So I guess the challenge for a chief data officer there would be, even if they need one, right, will be significantly different to somewhere where they're just starting out. So I think that's part of it. It's still not really, um, you know, a discipline that everybody necessarily has bought into. And if they have, they're, they're all at different journeys. So that's part of it. Um, I think I think there'll always be a certain element of um, horses for courses to kind of use that adage, because, again, it depends on what you're trying to do and and what you're trying to achieve and, and where you start from. So maybe there'll always be that certain level. I mean, I'm increasingly seeing now organizations focusing much more on um, data science, AI, machine learning, all that kind of really cool stuff. And absolutely, that, sh- that probably should be an ambition for all of us. But we're not all organizations on on in that position necessarily. Where I am seeing some, and increasingly seeing this, because it's almost like people have done the, this kind of loop round and come back to kind of where it all started, which happens interesting with things like offshoring. Everybody offshored 10 years ago, and now we're kind of, oh, is it nearshore? Is it 
is it different locations in the UK? Everybody, it's quite cyclical. So I'm seeing a, a coming back round to, okay, there are some pillars that whether you're trying to do data science or you're trying to do machine learning or you're trying to kind of build bots or you're just simply trying to kind of make sure your technology implementation goes well. There's some really core foundational stuff that needs to happen. And I, I turn up to more conversations now where that's coming around. So I think that's where some of the standardization will, will start to happen again. I think we'll start to see a bit of a reemergence of it. Because the amount of times I said I joined something and I say, oh, well, I'm focusing on these three pillars, which is, you know, how we kind of secure and, and manage our data, how we um, model our enterprise, so we create an enterprise data model, and how we build a, plat- a common platform for people to come to. Um, and the challenges we have with that are X, Y, and Z. I get, oh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what we do where we started. I think there's naturally going to be some kind of differences in what organizations want but I think we're all going to circle back around to some of those standard pillars over time which which I think will, will help with some of this um, and it's, it was funnily enough discussing that and I know I talked to you about the topic that I wanted to cover today it was through discussing some of those what I thought were pillars um, within my organization that kind of made me think oh actually people are talking about different things when they talk about stuff that I consider to be standard which which is fascinating but we'll we'll come on to that yeah yeah i mean you touched upon a great point there and i think you know i've been quite vocal about this through the podcasts and you know the linkedin posts that i you know debates that i often get dragged into but i think we have very much seen a resurgence on some of the more foundational aspects um of our industry you know and i think that's because you know rewind 12 to 24 months and organizations that were just about to start on that journey they got attracted by the bright lights of, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and that's where the perceived value is in all of this. And, and that's, that's probably not incorrect, right? But there's a whole host of things that need to happen for you to be able to go and do that effectively to maximize value out of that. And I think a lot of organizations went down that route, hired teams and teams of data scientists, and then realized, oh, we spent a lot of money. We've not quite got out of it what we thought we would and then trace their tails back to why. And it was like, you know, the whole data management, data governance, data quality piece. And so definitely seeing a resurgence in that. And, and obviously it's a great sign within my industry when you start to see real big hitting roles, you know, director level C-suite roles within the realms of data governance, because that's a good sign that organizations have actually clicked onto the fact, okay, we need someone that's really going to own this for us, um, which is interesting. Definitely. And I think the challenges we will face there in that space is that absolutely agree. And that's how I set my strategy. But I was actually chatting to um, our kind of head of data science uh, for, the, for our firm, actually. So this individual kind of partners with our clients um, to, to build data science solutions. And they challenged me. They said, great strategy, totally agree, have to get the foundations right. But do you have to do the foundation stuff in a total, not a vacuum, but get that all sorted before you can start to innovate. And I said, that's a really good challenge. So what we've done already is we've said, right, okay, there's a piece, there's a bunch of data here. We've done the end-to-end on it, right? So it's our timesheet data, not very sexy, but, you know, so we've managed to build an automated process around timesheet reminders, right, which which before were causing us a lot of pain. Um, again, um, so that's that data is good. So let's innovate on that. And we're looking for opportunities to go, right, let's do the end-to-end for either this domain or this subdomain, Right now, can we apply some innovation over the top of it? Because it it credentializes you, it demonstrates to the business you are looking at that, and almost pacifies people who are pushing you to be more innovative before you can be. So we're very much doing that. So I would encourage others to kind of 
seek those opportunities and where you're happy with that data, albeit a tiny amount of it, see where you can innovate on it. And the second thing, and I think this has come up before um, in lots of discussions I've had as well, definitely, is being able to articulate that. So data governance is needed. Um, but, you know, how do you explain that to the business, I think, is really critical because you need their buy-in. You need more than their buy-in. You need them to do stuff because you never own the data as a chief data officer. So you need that finance person or that marketing person or the COO to, to take some decisions or take some action. So it's really critical that you explain it to them in language that, that they understand, and which is what we've, we are, we're at pains to do is make sure that it's very business-focused language that we're using. Yeah. Yeah. And I absolutely agree. You know, I've had plenty of people on the podcast and, you know, I think um, Caroline Carruthers kind of used a great phrase that said, you know, don't try to boil the ocean because you're never going to get there, you know, in terms of trying to get all of your governance and data management, you know, 100% correct before you do anything on it, because you're never going to get to that point, which is a really important message, I think. Um, So as I mentioned before, you know, we've had people on the podcast that have talked about taxonomies for specific purposes. So that data quality example being a great one, I guess your vision here, if we're going to call it that appears to be, I guess, somewhat wider serving more kind of across the industry. So talk us through that data taxonomy, kind of where that kind of whole aha moments come from and and things like that. Yeah. So, um, it was so one of the challenges that we've been dealing with is how we make sure that um, we have a um, an ongoing way of managing our information actually and data. So um, that's that's one one thing, right? So I've had a few conversations. What what's information? What's data? What's the difference? And actually, I've taken the view that it probably on that one it probably doesn't matter because. Um, it's the stuff that we create, generate, et cetera, that enables us then to, to do our business, et cetera. So I've taken the view that actually if someone talks to me about data or information, it would, they, they probably mean the same thing. So it was it was in relation to that. And I was actually chatting to our DPO, a data privacy officer, about data governance um, because he was saying, oh, well, um, who's responsible for governing our data? And I said, well, that's us uh, because we, we've got this data ownership model, data domain. He went, no, 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 that's not data governance. I said, well, it is. And he went, no, no, no. I mean, somebody um, telling us how we bring data into the organization, what we do when it gets here. And I said, oh, no, well, I wouldn't consider that data governance in the, in the traditional sense of the word. And we had this bit of a aha. And as a, the consequence of not having that taxonomy or talking a little bit across purposes is um, he thought I was doing it. I thought he was doing it, um, which is fine. We, we're going to remediate it. It's no problem. And at least we've identified that. But because of that, then we started going, having broader conversations about the role of the CDO and the DPO. But, but you know, back to that point, understanding what your stakeholders or the, your peer are talking about is absolutely critical. So I've, I've tested that a couple of times. So I've got a deputy CDO, Sophia, who you know, um, and every time I talk about data remediation, she'll tell me off because she, th- she means a different thing. <laughs> um, so even within our team, we're starting to do that. So one of the things I've done as a, a first point is just check what people think they're talking about. So I had a conversation with another colleague a few weeks ago who was talking about data storage. And I said, well, can we just clarify what you mean by that? They actually meant document management, um, again, which is OK, but just having that clarification so I think my takeaway is I am now, and I don't do it, and I immediately learned from that, I'm not going to assume that what I'm talking about, even if we both say data architecture, enterprise data model, or data governance, that it's the same thing, because 
I don't think it is. Um, so whether we need to kind of put our own definitions out there, um, I don't know if I'd, need, I'd suggest going that far. But at the very least, I think we need to validate uh, understanding, maybe at the top of a meeting, the start of a program or a project, go, right, by the way, we're talking about data governance and we mean this. Um, is everybody there? Do we have to you know, discuss that? So that, that's kind of um, what my thought is anyway. Mm. It's really, I mean, that that's really interesting. And I imagine that that probably goes on a lot more often than we probably think or, or realize, yeah. right? Because everyone's got slight kind of nuances, I guess, around what they think they're talking about when we're using these terms. And, yeah. and it happens across the industry all the time, right? You know, people interchangeably use AI and machine learning. They interchangeably use data management, data governance, right? So it, it's, it's obviously going to happen. Yeah. You think this is a organizational thing is it an industry thing or is it you know smaller than that on a kind of team level do you think i think it's an industry thing um so so or our industry because i mean I'll, I'll caveat that with i've only worked in data roles in two organizations both of which happen to be professional services um but even the the most um challenge i've had is articulating and getting people to understand but what i mean by data architecture right so um most most people I've spoken to about that within the organisations I've worked in think I'm talking about um, enterprise architecture, and I'm really not. I'm talking about something very different. So what we've done here is we've coined the term data architects, so, so solution data architects and enterprise data architects. So we've had to do that. We've come up with our own taxonomy because it's very valid that you you might be implementing something on a relatively small scale that's not going to impact any other system. And you just need someone to architect you a data solution, which might be BI, it might be, you know, whatever. Um, so we've said, right, so solutions. And what we found is an abundance of solution data architects here, because people who are really, really shit hot at um, building those solutions and stuff. What we had in less, less abundance was that enterprise data architect, which is why people were getting confused, I guess, with enterprise architects more generally. But I'm talking about the enterprise data architect, the person who's responsible for mapping out what an organization looks like and should look like in a data context. So we've almost created our own language here, which people have bought into. And I find that easy to articulate. But from what I've seen across the and, and even when we've been recruiting in that space, I think that that particular, in particular, is a, is an issue and a challenge trying to get people who are true data, enterprise data architects. Um, it, so that could be a taxonomy thing. It could be that we've never thought about it in that way before, and therefore haven't articulated ourselves very well. But I mean that that's a that's been a massive issue for us until we got really clear about what we meant. Yeah, yeah, and it'll probably come as no surprise to you, Lynn. That's you know when I engage with an organization i have to go to the nth degree to understand because yep. you know what is a data architect in one organization means something completely different in another and same across pretty much every job yep. title you know because there's just people think about things in a different way and different types of organizations and it means different things to different people and so forth and so on so yeah and i think that's one of the biggest issues in our industry especially from a recruitment standpoint is that you know there is no standardization so if you're out there trying to look for somebody based on a title you know you might be looking for the perfect candidate might be called a um just an enterprise architect elsewhere but you exactly. know they don't have data yeah. in the title so you may be missing people so it is yeah it's it can be it can be challenging um 
So if we're talking about this then from a as an industry thing and then bringing it into our, our organizations to make sure that you know we're having conversations and we're talking about using the, the, the right terminology for the right types of topics, how, how would we go about implementing this, you know, kind of practically, I guess? Because I guess like a lot of things in our industry, we talk about these types of things a lot. And when we talk about them, they seem quite simple, I guess, and logical, but actually delivering on that can be can yeah. be difficult right and and I, I mean I don't think I have the the perfect answer as I said what we're doing it quite tactically here we are checking our understanding uh, ahead of any kind of meeting or program or project kickoff we're saying right by the way because the other thing I've discovered is that data I mean I talked to the, uh, a while ago about data and information when people talk about that interchangeably here I'm, I'm comfortable with that what what I'm less comfortable with is when people mean what they mean by data is reporting. So there's that issue as well. So we we have to make it very clear that yeah, there is reporting, um, but there's also data that keeps your operations running and your systems running, etc. So we've we've done that. So uh, you mentioned Caroline Carruthers earlier, and I don't know. I mean, maybe it's. I mean, those Caroline and Peter are absolute industry leaders, gurus, right? I wonder if there's something um, that, that they could help us shape that. I don't know, you know, various standards around what, what we mean, um, what data governance is, um, you know, what, and, and again, I think some of this has, there has to be some optionality around some of this. So I was actually thinking about it today in this, um, or yesterday, thinking about if we're going to deliver this, you know, what a CDO might look like in a, in a box or a, a set of services, there'd be an element of things that are always going to be the same. So I'd argue that creating an enterprise data model, or at the very least, understanding your organization and how data works in it, um, maybe creating some kind of place for people to come to get data so that maybe that's a platform. I think those two things are probably quite fundamental um, and may never change. So um, maybe you'd keep that language the same. And then there may be some optionality around the edges. Um, and I think I think that would be really helpful. I also think that there's an element of um, you know people throw things like AI and ML out there in terms of terms, and they don't really understand what it means. And it's it's quite scary to admit that you don't actually understand what it means. Um, people like me will go away and research and make sure I'm comfortable talking about it before I drop those things into conversation. But I think there's a definitely an education piece and a a culture within our industry that says, look, it's okay if you don't know what it is, it, it, or it's okay if you your interpretation of it doesn't match with that one. So I think maybe there's some of our industry leaders, and it's not, I'm not calling out Caroline and Peter necessarily, but individuals like that who have a massive sway, um, maybe they could help us shape some of these these ideas and, and kind of, you know, s- some of the definitions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe. Well, when we when we put the podcast out, we'll um, we'll, we'll get them tagged into the <laughs> yeah. social. And tell they them can fix been, it. Yeah. yeah they <laughs> can. You know. No, but genuinely, I mean, they they honestly so well respected. You know, I've got the books they've created, and you know, I think we all refer to that as a bit of a bible. Um, so I think maybe there's an element to it in that. I mean, they're very clear in their in their books that actually this whole. Um, this is why there's probably no standard role because every organization is different and they they talk about how you manage that and they, the building blocks for a successful CDOs, et cetera. Um, but I wonder if that taxonomy and standardization around language is something they could also consider as well. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I guess if we take it back to then what your experience has been and that kind of light bulb moment and then, you know, the, the work that's going to flow from the back of that for you to yeah. try and create this taxonomy within your business um because i think that's probably the best route to, to tackle this conversation just to give people an idea as to what you're going to do and um, yeah. you know because as you say 
this is probably something that I reckon most businesses struggle with, but 99% of businesses haven't even thought about really. Um, in terms of who this is for, and then the ownership piece of that, you know, are we talking, yeah. is, is this for business users? Are we talking about executives? Are we talking about data teams? Are we talking about all of the above? Um, and, and then who, who, who owns that? Who, who comes up with, yeah. right, this is the definition that we're going to live by? So I think here at KPG, it's everybody. It's all of the all of the above. Now, um, before I came on here, I was just starting to because I've got a couple of presentations next week where I'm going to be talking about this within within um, the firm. Um, so I think where I start is at that exact level to kind of you know to to bust the myths around who's actually doing what. So the way I'm doing it is I'm saying right, if I'm looking at the standard data lifecycle and doing it in those terms, so. Whichever life cycle you look at, um, the standard points. So somehow you create or bring data in, then you do stuff to it, um, you share it and whatever, and then ultimately you have to store it or purge it somewhere, right? So let's all agree that that's kind of what happens. Um, at each point of that, so again, I've written this in business language. So, so something is created or something is sent to us, right? So that's how I've done it. So I've said, look, that's, that's the business language that people are going to understand. And for each stage of that, I've done that. The next level down is saying, right, okay, so what policies, controls, measures, technologies do we need for each of those bits? So it almost then, you know, if, if you're calling it data or information, it kind of almost doesn't matter because, you know, it's it's business language, you know, you understand what's going to happen. So that's where I'm starting um, and that will help plot I or, or as a discussion tactic, it will help us go, right, do, do people understand this? Do they get this? Does it resonate? Did they think it was actually, you know, that thing or that thing? So I think I'm using that as a start point and it's going to be with our exec community um, and my peers who all, you know, a lot of them have a responsibility for data in some way. So that's where I'm going to start. And then I think we can focus on the the, the, the kind of almost the miscommunications or the definitions that we need to, to say, right, okay, can we now agree that when we talk about data retention, this is what we're talking about? Can we all now be clear that, we, you know, and let's agree that. So, Exactly what you would do with a data ownership model, right? And if you're, you know, looking at a finance domain, this is we're going to do that here because I think it's it's really important. So we're approaching it as we would any kind of data domain ownership, but it's giving it its own special special um, focus. Mm. And is are you the owner of that? Are you going to be the person that kind of goes out and does all that plotting and comes up with, you yeah. know, these standard definitions of right? Okay, here's what this is going to look like. I'll be the person that starts that definitely because I think um, it's interesting, and I've come across this with other CDOs as well. So sometimes you, the the role of a CDO, part of it is to kind of put something out there as a straw man to get views on, or make some decisions when an organisation has struggled to make them before. We all, you almost get it really is a political role, right? So sometimes you just the, either the fire starter or the person that gets things moving um, or starts the discussions. Um, so that's kind of what I'm doing. So. It may not end up being owned by me, but it needs someone to get that started and someone to kind of have that thought. Um, and as we've got experience of doing it on a much more uh, tactical level, you know, looking at data domain ownership, we've got that skill set. So we might as well apply that to a kind of a broader context. And as I said, it may end up being owned elsewhere. Someone may take a look at it and make it much better. But I think sometimes... You know, particularly when you're a relatively new CDO and CDO is a new concept in the organisation, you've almost got that little bit of grace to kind of go beyond what the expectations are of you anyway and and um, kind of, you know, put these things on the table. Mm, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm just kind of was thinking yeah. as you were speaking there, but yeah. I think it's um, I think it's an interesting concept because we often talk around you know the the evolution of the CDO role right and version version one now version yeah. three or four and how that's transitioned yeah. and I think that very much there's there's a definitely a conversation to be had around all that plays together. Um, although, again, thinking out loud, I think we've probably this probably would have been, you know, would have been tackled historically by CDO version point one, right? Getting the foundations in place and building all of that type of stuff. Yet we kind of seem to be on a more yeah. analytics train um, and this stuff is still being spoken about, which is really interesting. It is. It's And, and I was actually walking to the pub on Monday. I managed to get to the pub on Monday <laughs> with a, a friend of mine who who's worked in the, I guess, enterprise architecture space for years and years. And he's now in a very technical role and they're implementing some new technology at the company he works for. And he was talking about back in the day, they used to sit there and do data mapping. So they used to say, right, if we're, you know, in we've got five systems that we need to integrate, right? So in this system, customer is defined this way. In this system, customers like, right, how are we going to remediate that? And he was talking about 15 years ago. And I was saying, oh, that's fascinating that that used to happen as long ago as that. Um I don't think we do that anymore. I think we assume that these amazing integration technologies will come in and do all that. But we know when we've seen it not work, we know that actually probably that five-day exercise where you all sat in the same room doing that is what is what's needed. Uh, and it's just so interesting. He said he doesn't see that happen anymore. And actually life was, it was a bit painful to do at the time, but life was easier after doing that. So I think all these things will come, they keep coming back around because they're just good practice. Um and I think, yeah, people are really, the penny is definitely dropping on. You can't have the sexy stuff without some of the foundations. But I think we need to be a little bit more flexible and, and do it all as, as like a column. So we, you don't just go, right, data governance across everything or data taxonomies across everything. You go, right, let's let's pick a thing and do the entire stack, right, from, from the governance and the quality through to innovation where you can. And I know that's not always possible. Mm, yeah, I think. It's really interesting because, you know, when when I read the article that you'd written around the basis for this chat, I was I was kind of thinking, okay, so really we're talking about how, you know, the differences of opinion within terminology, but yeah. actually it's bigger than that, right? It's it's talk we're talking about people looking at a word that we use within our landscape and misinterpreting it for something completely different. You know, the, yeah. the example you said before around data and people in the organization think that means reporting um which is it's fascinating to me because you know there's so much hype in the industry right around how we're doing some of the predictive and prescriptive stuff and the sexy stuff the bright lights yeah we can't agree on (laughs) what words mean you know what i mean it's it's fascinating um yeah yeah and it'd be interesting to see if that is a genuinely it could just be me and i've just been you know operating (laughs) under a wrong illusion for the last last few years but yeah, and it, it does, and it struck me big because I'm dealing with stakeholders who, I said, we think we're talking about the same thing and we're not. So I, I've learned very pretty damn quick that now I will ask. Uh, so can I just check what you mean by data? Can I just check what you mean by, you know, architecture and um, et cetera, et cetera. And it's a mixture of people who really know their stuff and have just always referred to it in that that way and um, a mixture of people who don't really understand um, and are a bit scared by that because it's, it's like, Data is almost the new millennium bug type thing. In some ways, people were really scared about what was going to happen on, you know, the first of um, first of January two thousand. There's a little bit of that, and um, 
you know, and I think data science is, you know, people people get scared by data science because actually some incredibly bright people work in data science. So maybe they're not open to asking the questions or just, you know, establishing what everybody means by by that. Um, mm. Yeah, so I think that I think that's that's part of it. So for us, it, so as well as that mapping exercise, um, what it will translate into is, as we all keep talking about, is data literacy and data culture at our organisation. So. There's, there's an element of education, but I'm it's again, we're not we're kind of I've not landed on exactly what that will be. Are we going to force people to use the same language that we use? Don't know yet. Or are we going to just be a little bit more uh, collaborative around that and say, OK, well, we can call it whatever you want. But actually, we're talking about these three things or we're talking about these activities. And maybe that's how we do it again. Haven't come up with the perfect solution yet for our organization. Um, and we're just going to have to try a few things out, I think. Mm, yeah no, it's 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 interesting right because i think that whole data literacy piece is is massive and i think yeah. it's become the cornerstone for you know if we're going to really transform the way businesses think and operate because it comes down to that cultural piece nine times out of ten right and that data yeah. literacy piece plays you know plugs right into the heart of that yet yeah you know I think it'd be good to make sure that we're all talking about the same thing. Um, but getting that right, you know, you don't want to force it on people because people start rebelling against that. But mm, it's an interesting. Well, even debate. data literacy. What do we mean by that? I mean, I probably have a different different definition to you. The data literacy. Mm. Uh, I mean, for me, at the end of the day, it means um, people aren't scared by it. people understand what data is and they're not scared by it. But that's a very basic. <laughs> concept and i know sophia my deputy will think will think very differently she, so she she thinks about cities data citizens and stuff so people who are really beyond that basic understanding and it, i mean it probably all comes back down to segmentation right so knowing how to segment your audience the classic marketing stuff i mean i've sat in marketing departments before segment your users segment your customers um because data literacy will be a probably a spectrum um, and it will be the people that, yeah, you just stop them, you know, get them in off the ledge. They're not scared anymore through to people who can build you some really cool predictive models. Um, mm. and, and that's what we've got to we've got to figure out. Yeah. So I guess as we start to try and wrap this um, up, then let a few kind of final questions from me. Um, from a starting point perspective, are there kind of more common definitions that you've seen? vary that you're going to try and address is there you know i guess what i'm trying to get at is for anyone out there that's thinking around you know this is a really good idea i'd want to do this but you think about the the amount of terminology we have right you know where do people start effectively with this is there something that you know they can tackle first that then leads into bigger things yeah so where we've started out of necessity because the way so you know we want to i said we want to build our continue to build out our data platform, continue to build out our enterprise data model. So, so for that perspective, we firstly, we had to get the definition right of data architects and data architecture, what that means. So I think that's a really good place to start. And as a consequence now, we're starting to make sure we get the right people and can, and, and can articulate it, not just when we're recruiting, but also when we're running programs and projects and things and getting involved in that. So that's where we started. Um, Interesting platform is less of an issue because people kind of get that you plonk data somewhere and yeah, that, that's people are generally comfortable with that. Um, so the next thing for me would be governance. Um, now, governance is an interesting one because the, the way I'd thought about that before is people just don't seem to like the concept of data governance or the word governance. But actually, it does mean different things to different people. So if you're if you're thinking about a security expert or a data privacy expert, they have a whole different 
way of thinking about governance is to somebody who we're using governance um, to help the firm get more value out of its data. So I think making that distinction. So, um, you know, the kind of whether you're being offensive or defensive, again, that, that whole spectrum. So I think defensive data governance is different to offensive data governance. So I think maybe we'll focus on that. Um, so that's kind of where we where we have started and I think will continue um, for us. So I think they're the key things for me to, to get right. Um, and that will have most of a positive impact on us if we do that. Mm, yeah, I guess might seem like an obvious question but mm. what what do you th- what's the purpose of this you know what what purpose does this serve internally and i guess then does that have an effect on your customers yeah so a few purposes so one is um establishing if there so if if we think about the defensive and the governance perspective more generally how we govern our information and data um for me it will identify where there are gaps um because you know, there's loads of different roles associated with data. There's a chief data officer, the data privacy officer, the CISO has a, a say in it, the CIO has a say in it, um, et cetera. Um, and then we've got risk of, risk officers and risk partners. So um, for all of those roles, there's potentially a gap in who's looking after. You know, there might be a specific piece of um, that's pretty important that no one's looking after um, because the assumption is someone else's. So it will identify those gaps and kind of make sure that we're plugging them. Um and it could be something as simple as there's a policy, it's just not being monitored yet. And, and it could be really simple. And I think without doing that whole, okay, what do we all mean? Um, it's really hard to identify that. Um, so that'll be one thing. The second thing is we get we get the right talent in at the right time. So if we're really clear about, and we're getting better at that, really clear about what we want our people to do and what we need them to come in to do, it makes us really, we get some really good um, people in and some talent in and we can progress them right because you know we create these career paths for for the roles that we need um i think it will help the organization massively and i really want to kind of no i don't think many people are going to admit that they don't really know what we're talking about when we talk about data or all those kind of good things i want to make the organization feel more comfortable um that actually they they can have they have a basic grasp of some of the the simple things um around that so that's that's what i would i think it will benefit from i think industry Maybe if we can all collectively tell our story a little bit easier because we've we've all agreed and established what those basic terms are, maybe it will make it easier for us to communicate, us to recruit, us to kind of create best practices, et cetera. Um, I, I think that will it would be beneficial for all of us. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree, couldn't agree more with that. I guess so as we bring this to a close, then if there's other data leadership figures out there that are thinking, look love the sound of this. I think it's massively important. It's going to be hugely beneficial for the organization, but you know, where, where do I start and what should I be thinking about? Just surmise what your kind of advice would be just to get them on the road to this journey. Um, so I think you've first got to understand if you've got a problem or not, right, within your organization, it might be very clear, but I'd, I'd test it out first. I'd say, you know, somebody that maybe you connect with regularly and maybe you're collaborating on something within your organization, I'd say, oh, by the way, when I talk about data, what, what do you what do you mean? I'm just interested um, and see if there is a disconnect. I'd probably also have a look at just check some of the assumptions. So maybe if in looking at your role versus the DPO or the, the CIO, for example, just go, hang on, well, be interesting just to have a look at that. And where do we think our roles start and end? Just, just out of interest. And it could be that there's no issue there whatsoever. Everybody's very clearly defined. It's all good. But that's probably where I'd start. A couple of conversations 
uh, and then maybe looking at the kind of how the roles um, work together. I think that's that's really key. Yeah. Yep. And then if they want to come and chat to me <laughs> about, you know, just or just have a chat over a virtual cup of coffee or something, I'd love that because I'd love to hear what other people are doing around this. Yeah, good. Um, well, that was going to be my final question. Then. Okay, if people sorry. Do want, <laughs> yeah. If people do want to reach yeah. out um, and pick your brain and maybe collaborate on how do we go about driving this throughout the industry, um, what's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, so LinkedIn is always a really good start. Um, drop me a message. I'm I'm pretty responsive. Um, and then, um, you know, maybe we organize something. I don't know. Maybe we use you <laughs> to kind of yeah. create something and have further discussions about this. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to kind of, you know, if we can help drive some standardization that benefits all of us, um, I'd be really happy to get involved in that. So, yeah, LinkedIn's the best start usually. Nice. Yeah, and absolutely. I'd be... Yeah, I'd be very much up for getting involved in that. That's probably going to be the next event topic then now. You've uh, yeah, swigged very me. Good. So Excellent. there you go. Perfect. Well, Lynn, look, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us. It's been a fascinating conversation, one that's going to, um, I guess, be very beneficial. I think you'll get a lot of interest. And uh, yeah, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Okay, thanks very much. Perfect. Speak Bye. soon. Bye. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week. <laughs>